Welcome to Formative, the show where today's leaders are interviewed by the leaders of tomorrow. Today's guest is Meredith Mascara. She came from a career in merchandising and promotion for Broadway theaters to become the CEO of Girl Scouts of Greater New York. She's a third generation scout and says she bleeds green. This work is deep in her heart and she's here to talk with us about the purpose she's living and the balance she's working to find. What a great guest. Welcome to today's show. Okay, hello and welcome. I'm Rachel Gazdick, CEO of New York Edge, and my co-host today is Tabitha from PS175 on City Island. Hey, Tabitha, good afternoon. Good afternoon. So, Tabitha, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Tabitha. I'm 11 years old. I'm a student at PS175, and one of my favorite hobbies is to go swimming on City Island. Why are you excited about today's guest? Because she's the CEO of Girl Scouts, and I was a Girl Scout for two years, so I would like to know how she got into the position. Okay, well, Tabitha, let's not wait any longer and bring in Meredith Mascara. Meredith, thank you so much for being here and for joining us today. Rachel, thank you so much. And Tabitha, thank you. I love being able to connect with girls who were or currently are Girl Scouts across New York City. So thank you. Okay, so Tabitha, what's your first question for Meredith today? Um, where were you born? I was born in a very small town called Ellsworth, Maine. For those who are familiar with Maine, it is right along the coastline, so it's a little uh, fishing town, and it's near Bar Harbor or Acadia National Park. What made you want to be a Girl Scout when you were little? So my grandmother was a Girl Scout volunteer. My mom grew up during Girl Scouting and then started her own troop when she was in high school, like in the 1950s, imagine that. And I have two older sisters who were also Girl Scouts. So it was really what we call, I bleed green. As a third generation Girl Scout, it was natural for me to become a Girl Scout as a young girl. So I started when I was in second grade and stayed in the movement my entire youth growing up in it and getting my gold award, which is the highest award a girl can earn. And then I came back to it as an adult when my daughter was old enough to join a troop. What are your duties as a CEO? Yeah, thank you for asking that. That's a crazy question from everywhere and in between. And there's always a great thing. You'll see it on job descriptions, Tabitha, when you're older and go for your first job that says other duties as assigned. (laughs) And I can tell you that the role of the CEO is all of those other duties as assigned. The best part of my job is that I get to really advocate for and create pathways for leadership for young girls in New York City. So I do a lot of strategic work with partnerships around the city and then work very closely with 28,000 girls and 7,000 volunteers to hear what they need to be able to get the careers that they want, to get into the schools that they want, and to have community service projects and to make the world a better place. So that's the best part of my job is all of those amazing people and incredibly strong women that I get to meet every day. The business portion of my job is that I have a $10 million organization that I'm responsible for with about 100 full-time staff throughout the year with given camp and all of our programs. So I'm responsible for a lot of people and a lot of money and a lot of uh, livelihood. And so it's a big responsibility to make sure that I take all of that with incredible seriousness and with intentionality 
always serving the girls of New York with every decision that I make. You know, Meredith, I think a lot of folks identify the Girl Scouts with cookies. And I learned that the program for girls has changed tremendously around leadership. And I'm wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more. Absolutely. Girl Scouting definitely looks different for the girls now than it did for any of our generation. Always been about empowerment, always been about putting girls into new spaces to introduce them to new opportunities and to build the courage, confidence, and character that girls feel welcome and able to step into whatever career they want. Specifically here in New York City, we are very much focused on workforce pipeline, right? We know that there is a huge gap, especially post-COVID now, for women in the workforce in all sectors. And by being able to create pathways for girls to be introduced to careers that they wouldn't normally, one of our major focus areas, obviously, is STEM. We know that the next million jobs haven't even been discovered yet are in the STEM industry, right? So we want to make sure that we have prepared young girls for the entire spectrum of career paths, but having the tools and the ability to have those options. The demographics here in New York, 70% of the girls that we serve are from low-income households. So with one of our programs, like the Leadership Institute, it is specifically a career path and educational path pipeline for 6th through 12th grade girls. So putting them in a space, bringing them into a corporate office in New York City, Not all girls have access to that. So by bringing girls into that workspace repeatedly, they know they are welcome there. They see women in that sector. And it just closes the gap on what was a dream, what can be a reality. What years were you a Girl Scout? I think it was last year and the year before. So you did a lot of virtual during COVID? Yeah, but before COVID actually happened, I switched troops because one of the troops that I was in We would just sit there and talk, and like we learned Spanish and stuff like that. But the next trip that I was in, we actually like went places. We went ice skating, we went horseback riding, we went all these places. Do you still have friends in those troops? Yeah, they all go to my school, and we recently had like a reunion type of thing where the troop leader brought us to a VIP like lounge in Nourishelle. So we all got to go there and have fun at the pool and the beach. That sounds like a nice adventure. So what would be important for you if you wanted to come back to Girl Scouts? What could we do for you? Definitely go different places. Make like traditions. Like I know in my Girl Scout shoot, we would go horseback riding like every year. So at least try and make some trips. So trips, adventures, experiences, everybody's ready to be out and about and not behind a screen anymore, huh? Yeah. Have you ever started your own Girl Scout troop? I did. I started my own troop when my oldest daughter was five in Sunnyside and Woodside, Queens, where I'm from. I was super excited. And we started out and we did registration and we only had three girls. Within two years, we had 150 in that troop. So my lesson on that is, What do you believe in it? It's in your gut. You build it and people will come. What made you want to go to the Musical and Dramatic Academy? 
So when I was growing up in Maine, my passion for theater and for the arts really kept me busy and preoccupied all the time. I'm the kind of person who likes to have a schedule that's really crazy all the time. And I was always like that when I was a girl. So I did after school plays, I did community theater, and I danced and I got into musical theater. And Maine is a very beautiful state, but it doesn't have a lot of opportunities sometimes. And I was in love with New York City and in love with theater. And getting into the American Musical and Dramatic Academy was a way for me to be able to move to New York City and pursue theater. How has theater been an asset in your career? I tell anyone who is aspiring to be in a leadership role to take some acting classes, to do some improv comedy, because the experience of being on stage and being collaborative and working with a team is incredibly important because any job, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to collaborate and work with others really well on an end product like you would with a show. I will say in my role now, I do a lot of public speaking and I always make a joke. I'm like, I'm going to put on my CEO costume and I'm going to go out and, and do that. That kind of training really helps me. People ask, do you get nervous? I am very comfortable and my theater background brought me to that confidence in that public space. Are you shy or uh, what, like? I am the biggest opposite of shy now. However, when I was a young girl, first and second grade, before I joined Girl Scouts and then got comfortable with myself like on stage, I spent the majority of my life behind my mother's apron. So I was exceptionally shy and did not speak a lot. And one could not imagine that now. <laughs> um. Do you consider yourself to be a good public speaker? I do. <laughs> I do. I consider myself to be humble at times, but when you know your strengths, it's okay to say, I do. And Meredith, your career path has been an interesting journey with merchandising and branding and acting and theater. So how do you feel all of that has come together for you in a CEO role? Yeah, it is an interesting, non-traditional path. I wouldn't have gone to work for any other nonprofit. I would have stayed in the theater industry. It was, it's always been a home and a community for me and incredible. But I needed to be working for something bigger. I reached that point in my life, midlife crisis or just <laughs> whatever, uh, the birth of my fifth daughter of just really realizing there's an impact that needs to be made. And sometimes you just have to take a risk and do it. So it was specific to Girl Scouts of where I wanted to be to change that trajectory. You never know when it's going to be your time. And sometimes you just got to jump and take the leap. What was it like for match mer merchandising? It was so much fun. The theater community is a really fun, crazy group of people. And everyone thinks that like Broadway and theater is this huge industry in New York. And the reality is it's a very close family. So I felt very safe. I felt very loved. And I felt very respected in that, in that industry. I had a great staff and there was never a dull moment and we never slept. And it was like always fast, fast, fast pace. You just never knew what was going to happen. I also grew up in that job. I started that job when I was really young. I started that, that industry when I was really young. And then I got married and then I had children and then I moved to a house. Like all of those major things that change in your life. I was allowed and given permission to succeed and to fail and to try and to grow up on that job and really have the real hands-on experience with work. And I'm grateful for that. And how does it feel to now be in what I would call living a life of consequence and passion? 
versus where you were before? I think my comfort zone in being a servant leader is where I'm supposed to have been all along. And I think that even my favorite parts of my team and the work that I did before was taking care of my team and the theater community that I worked with and that I served, and then satisfying it through my volunteer and community activism efforts there. So switching it completely to this fits really good with me. What's next on your journey? Oh, what's next on my journey? Self-care is a short-term goal. I think that we've all really been faced to look at mental health and self-care during the pandemic years. And for me, I also have five daughters and I have a lot of people in my life that I take care of, but I tend to not prioritize myself. So short-term goal is self-care. My long-term mission and calling in this world is to really make an impact to the next generation of young women. What does self-care look like for you? Camping, fire pits, campfires, walks in the woods, cuddle time with my dogs, and time by the ocean. Tell me about your swimming, and is that something that you're looking to do? Are you on a competitive team? Are you looking to do that as a career? No, I just, like, I feel like over the years I've gotten, like, really good at it, but I don't really want to make it as a career. Like, when I'm older, I either want to be a real estate agent or a cosmetologist. Mm, tell me about those decisions. What what attracts you to those careers? I love, like, designing houses. Like, I have a bunch of games like that. And for cosmetology, I really liked makeup growing up as a kid and, like, doing hair and stuff like that. And what do you love about City Island? Everyone around is knows each other somewhere or somehow. Either you go to the same marina or you live close by or everyone goes to, like, the Legion and there's different programs that everyone gets to know each other, so it's really cool. Great sense of community, huh? Yeah. What's your favorite fast food place? Oh, my favorite fast food place. Ooh, I'm a McDonald's chicken nuggets girl. Same. <laughs> um, homemade, like homemade food or takeout food? Homemade. TikTok or Snapchat? TikTok. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Dogs or cats? Dogs. The bigger, the better. Online or in-person shopping? Oh, in-person. Ice cream or milkshakes? Ice cream. Okay. How is it like having five kids and like such an important job? It's crazy. It's crazy. I love that my daughters get to see the good and the bad of having a really important job, of the stress and of the rewards that happen with it. I like that they see that I haven't had a traditional journey to my leadership position so that they can imagine themselves anywhere. I will say it is very hard sometimes still with being a female CEO, even though I'm in a female industry, because people expect me to be either more of a mom or more of a CEO, depending on where I am. When did you discover your passion for community activism and philanthropy? When I started to see the change. When you start to realize it's not just about you. And I think letting go of like living a selfish life and going selfless is when you start to see the change. There have been incredible mission moments, and I can get goosebumps right now, where I've been able to see a change that I have made in a young woman's life. And they don't need to be 
publicized and they don't need to be big. But those are those moments when I just knew that this is where I could be. What do you hope to accomplish before you ride off? Where am I going? Where am I riding off to? <laughs> well, like before, like you retire or something. I know. Maybe. There's a whole world that needs to be changed. I want to see the impact. I want to see that, like, it's not a moment in time that there's change. I want to see systemic change and I want to see a different world for young women in the next generation. Those are all the questions I have. Thank you. So Meredith, we ask all our guests the same question at the end of the show. If if you could give advice to your 13-year-old self now, what would that advice be? Don't let anybody tear you down. Don't let anybody tear you down. There's a great phrase from Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale that's a little bit more descriptive than that. Don't let the bad guys get you down. Well, it's been such an honor to have you on our show today, Meredith and Tabitha. I just want to thank you for being an exceptional co-host. And so thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tabitha. You are amazing. I cannot wait to see what you accomplish. I hope we stay in touch. Thank you, Rachel. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Formative, a production of New York Edge. I'm your host, Rachel Gastic. My co-host today was Tabitha from PS175 on City Island. She was assisted by Jesse Cowan. Our production partner for this series is Citizen Racecar. This episode was produced by David Hoffman and Tasha Lemley. Post-production by Alex Brower. Original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Production management by Gabriella Montekin. Thanks to the whole team here at New York Edge for making this series possible. Never miss an episode of Formative by subscribing to the series at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.